It's not what you don't know that kills you. It's what you know for sure that they ain't true. Mark Twain. Welcome to the Simply Retirement Podcast with your host, Eric Blake. This show offers valuable insights and advice on retirement planning, specifically tailored for women. Join us as we explore various challenges that arise during retirement planning and discuss practical ways to overcome them. With years of experience in retirement planning as a financial professional, Eric brings a wealth of knowledge to the table. He is joined by guests who will also offer unique perspectives and insights. Together, they provide practical tips and strategies to help you delegate some of the heavy lifting and make the most of your retirement. Whether you are a widow, divorced, or simply ready to take control of your financial future, this podcast is designed to help you navigate the complexities of retirement planning and make the most of this exciting phase of life. We take a step-by-step approach to help you understand what's next and guide you through the retirement planning journey. So sit back, relax, and let us help you build your retirement on your terms with another episode of the Simply Retirement Podcast with Eric Blake. Welcome to the Simply Retirement Podcast with your host, Eric Blake. I'm Wendy McConnell. Now, we're talking about that quote. You're saying that what is really more damaging is when somebody is sure of something that's not actually true. Absolutely. That's exactly right. When you think about a topic that, you know, in your mind that this is the way it is, and then either hopefully before it's too late, you find out that that you are incorrect and that it doesn't cost you mistakes in uh, whether it's financial mistakes, tax mistakes, whatever the case might be. Absolutely. That uh, something you think in your mind is right, that really isn't. Yeah. And that seems to be a, a big problem as of late, right? <laughs> it is. And it ties very well to uh, to the topic of conversation today, as a matter of fact. Which is, what will we be talking about, Eric? So we're going to be talking about the 10 questions to ask your financial advisor. And these are going to be a little different than what, and what probably million people would think of, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of resources out there. CFP, Certified Financial Planner website, has a list of, of 10 questions. If you go to letsmakeaplan.org, they have great questions, but they're going to be centered around, you know, how does the advisor get paid? What services do they offer? And those are all great questions, of course. Well, what we're talking about today with these questions is more specific to an individual or a woman who is going to be retiring soon or is recently retired. How do I know whether my financial advisor understands the implications, the distribution rules, the tax rules around getting money out of my retirement accounts? That's going to be the really the, the huge focus of these 10 questions is how do you know whether your advisor can help you in this area? Because I said all I saw I say a lot of times that. When it comes to working with a financial advisor, or even being a financial advisor, it's very difficult to specialize in everything. The answers, the questions that that a 45-year-old may have are going to be a lot different than a 65-year-old. And that's really what we're going to focus on today. And I think one of the problems that we have now is, unfortunately, financial advisors have kind of gotten that you know reputation of like a used car salesman. Like there's like a trust issue there because there's been like people who have been swindled or what have you. So, you know, it's important to ask the right questions. And that's what we're going to do today. Right. Well, because I mean, hiring a financial advisor can be really intimidating, especially if you either haven't worked with a financial advisor in the past or, you know, a lot of our clients, whether it's been a divorce or been widowed, where in many cases, the husband is the one that handled a lot of this stuff. 
And now when it falls on the woman's shoulders to say, I need some guidance, need some help, but I need to know what I need to be asking because the financial advisor works for you. You're hiring the financial advisor there. You don't work for them, right? So you need to make sure you're asking the questions that you feel confident are going to get you the right answers and make sure you're on the right track. And, you know, we keep in mind that we want be prepared both mentally and financially. Right. Because, you know, financial, from a planning perspective, retirement is such a different game. You've got the emotional aspects of, in many cases, you've left a job that you've been in for 20, 25, 30 years. So you've got the emotional aspects of what I'm, what do I might want my life to look like? What am I going to be doing? How am I going to pay for it? So yeah, obviously you have the financial aspects, which is the one that most people think about most is, do I have enough money? How much am I going to be able to live on? But the emotional component really comes into play because again, the things, what is your money going to be paying for are the things that you're going to spend the next 25, 30, 35 years of your life doing. So there's definitely some you know, emotional difficulties that can come with it, but then in addition to the financial aspects. And it's, it's important to keep in mind that this is a whole different ball game. Like that, then when you're just gathering the money and the accumulation phase, like now it's, it's completely different. So you want to make sure that you are with somebody, a financial advisor that understands all of the rules. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that we'll talk about as far as how would you go about finding these questions? Actually, we want to outline what these 10 questions are. Where can you find these? They're actually out there. So there's a group, Ed Slot, who's kind of an industry guru for financial advisors, but also for the public. Not only does he have, uh, he has what he calls irahelp.com. That's his website, but he's on PBS. He's written num numerous books that, that the public can read and they're great resources. But he also has a what he calls his elite IRA advisor group. And these are advisors who have basically decided to work with him, work with his team, his expert, get to his expertise, comes a lot of study, a lot of skills that you, that they actually require you to take. Not only do we meet twice a year for at least two days where we're talking about case studies and tax law and distribution planning, IRA planning, all these different aspects, but you actually have to take uh, they require a quiz. So you have to take a quiz after these sessions to make sure you're understanding the knowledge that you're getting. And especially if you think about all the changes we've seen in the last couple of years, there's been significant changes to IRAs, tax law, round IRAs, distribution planning. And again, it's really important that you have somebody, have a financial advisor that understands what's going on and is staying up to date, more importantly, on these changes that are going on. So what could happen then potentially if you're given the wrong type of information? Well, I'll give you an example. So we had a client a few years ago that we had a relationship with a bank. And the bank had referred her because she had made a pretty sizable deposit into her bank account. And she didn't know what she was going to do with the money. She had recently been widowed and she didn't know what she was going to be doing with these funds because she, she was also supporting family. She had a daughter that was staying with her. She had grandchildren and she needed to figure out how is she going to best manage this money? So we sit down, we're talking a little bit more about where this money came from and we find out that the money that she deposited in her bank account was actually formerly in a 401k account. And for various reasons, who knows what the reason may have been, most likely because of a misunderstanding of how all this stuff works, it was she was encouraged by the custodian, the, the firm that holds the 401k, to distribute the money so that she could, she could use it. To just take the money out. Just take the money out, take a lump sum distribution. Now, the problem with that is there's a lot of problems, but... 
The biggest problem was that if you take money directly from a 401k, they cut you a check from the 401k that you can deposit in your bank account. There is a mandatory 20% withholding on those funds. So she took the distribution, they withheld 20%. And this is somebody that had very little income at the time. So, you know, the amount of tax was very likely way more than what it should have been, besides the fact that she didn't really have a choice as to how much she could withhold or if she wanted to withhold anything at all. So the big chunk goes immediately to Uncle Sam. She gets what's left over. Now, fortunately, because we had the chance to meet pretty quickly after this distribution occurred, we walked through what the potential solutions were. So for her, she actually still, still fell within what we call the 60-day rollover rule. So she could take the money out of her bank account, deposit directly into an IRA account, and it's considered a rollover and no longer taxable. Now for her specifically, and people who deal with these, because it happens quite a bit, unfortunately, because again, not understanding the rules, the 20%, if you don't get that money put back into the IRA, it is still taxable, even though it's already gone to Uncle Sam, right? You can't get so that money back. You can get it back if you roll the money back into the IRA within the right. 60 days. Okay. And when you file your tax return in April or whenever you might file it, you can get a refund of uh, that 20%. But in the meantime, most of the time that doesn't have... Timing doesn't work right <laughs> perfectly very often. Right. So unless that 60 days happens to fall within that April, April 15th deadline, you got to come up with that money somewhere else. You got to come up with savings or, or wherever it might be. You got to come up with that 20% to make the rollover whole. Oh, so oh I see. You've got to make up the difference. Right. So let's say easy math. This wasn't the case for her, but let's say you had $100,000. You take a distribution from the 401k so you can deposit in your bank account. They issue a $100,000 check, but 20% gets withheld immediately. So the net check, so what you actually receive is a check for $80,000. But the $20,000, if again, if you have the ability to roll that money in within that 60 days, if you can come up with a $20,000 and you can put $100,000 into an IRA within less than that 60 day window, none of that amount is taxable. Again, consult your tax advisor, all those good disclaimer things that we have to throw out there. Right. But if you can get $100,000 back into an IRA within 60 days, then that amount is no longer taxable. But for her, she wasn't aware of, she wasn't aware of that. She was actually told by this firm that that's your, probably your best option. Take a full distribution so you can spend the money. But in many cases, that's not the best option, or at least you need to have evaluated other options first. Could she have just rolled it directly to an IRA herself and avoid the whole 20% mishap. Right. So let's, for argument's sake, say we don't have the extra $20,000 and we only can roll over the 80. Does that mean that we just lose that 20%? You don't lose the 20%. So let's use the same numbers that we're talking about. So you take a distribution, $100,000, you get a check for 80, 20 has gone to Uncle Sam. If it makes sense, if you're in a situation where you can roll that money to an IRA, if you can roll $80,000, then $80,000 is no longer taxable. The $20,000, though, is still a taxable distribution. But even if you can do 30, you can do 40, 50, if you can do something, anything you can put into an IRA within 60 days is no longer taxable. Okay. Whatever you can't remains taxable. So if it's, I can put $50,000 in, that leaves me $50,000 that has been distributed. That $50,000 is going to be taxable. Now, again, the worst part for her was at the size of dollars we're talking about, we're talking about also being pushed into higher tax brackets in most cases, because mm, okay. it's a lot. I mean, you take a hundred thousand dollars or in our using that example, you take a hundred thousand dollars and you add it to whatever other income you might have. 
pretty good chance you're going from a what may be a lower tax bracket to a much, much higher tax bracket, depending on, again, your income levels. Hey, listeners, this is Eric taking a quick break in the action to let you know about an upcoming event that I am very excited about. If you're in the North Dallas, Denton, and Collin County areas of DFW, I am partnering with Heyman Hogue, one of the top estate planning firms in the area, for an event for single women called All the Single Ladies on September 27th at the McKinney Public Library branch in downtown McKinney. This is a special event where we will be discussing retirement planning and estate planning specifically for single women. Whether you are single by choice, by divorce, or widowed, this event is for you. Go to blakewealthmanagement.com slash all the single ladies or click the link in the show notes for this episode to RSVP. Hope to see you there. So I just want to clarify this, make sure I have it right. Mm -hmm. If I get the check for the $80,000 because the government has taken the 20 um, and I decide that I'm going to roll over the 80,000 that I got, but I can't come up with that 20,000 that's already been deducted. If I still roll in the 80,000, then like you're saying, when I do my taxes the following year, then I will get money back because they're, they taxed me on a hundred percent when really it's going to be 20%. They taxed you on a hundred thousand. You put 80,000 into an IRA, no longer taxable. The $20,000 is still taxable, but more, more likely to be not push you into a higher tax bracket. So you are going to owe taxes on the $20,000. Right. So it depends on what your tax situation is as to what the final implications are going to be. Gotcha. You, you, yes, you would have to wait until you file your tax return to get any potential refund that you might be due if you could complete a 60-day rollover. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about that. Okay, let's get into these questions, Eric. Uh, all right, excellent. Well, so we know retirement income planning requires specialized knowledge in IRA distribution planning because for most people, it is their IRA, it is their 401k that is their largest retirement asset. So right off the bat, the very first question you can ask is, do you have the expertise in this area? And how would I know? What proof do you have that, that you are an expert in these types of areas, that you specialize in retirement distribution plan or IRA distribution? So start off right at the you know, ask the hard questions. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. And then we start saying, well, again, back to the question, how would I know? What books have you read? What books do you read on the topic? You know, there's in continuing education in our world as a financial advisor. If you're not staying top on top of a lot of these changes, these tax laws, you're falling behind. You're probably going to miss something. And again, what we talked about with our quote, if you recommend something that really isn't accurate, you might have some trouble of your own. <laughs> so, so it's a matter of understanding. And again, if I'm interviewing a financial advisor, or you are interviewing me as, as a potential financial advisor. Ask them, what books do you read? And the, the other thing I would say is look at the books. They look like they've been open recently. <laughs> <laughs> so are they, they're pretty stiff. They don't like they've been open a while. Then you uh, you might want to wrap it up pretty quickly and say, hey, let me go talk to somebody else. Those books don't look like they've been cracked in a long time. <laughs> yeah. You're also looking for some professional training though, right? Absolutely. So again, what continuing education are you doing? It's okay to ask those types of questions. So for example, I used uh, my example with, you know, Ed Slots group where again, twice a year, we're going on two day meetings where we're sitting in a, basically a classroom. Uh, it's a large classroom. I will say that sitting in a classroom for a couple of days, again, where you're talking about tax law changes, you're talking about implications on different scenarios of, well, this happened, this person died last year versus, versus 2020. And we'll touch on some of these where this, why that's important just a bit. But you know the timing of when somebody may have passed away 
can significantly impact the beneficiary of an IRA or an inherited IRA and what their options are. So what are you doing to stay on top of these changes? We'll talk about Secure Act 2.0 and Secure Act, Original Secure Act, Secure Act 2.0, all these different things that, that, that sound crazy. But, but we have to understand them, or at least your advisor needs to understand them. And you need to have a, the confidence that your advisor understands these rules as well. Well, I was in the insurance business for the blink of an eye. And part of the upkeep of having my license was continuing education. Is there anything like that when it comes to financial advisors? Specifically for financial advisors, there's always some level of continuing education. There's something called firm element, which we don't necessarily go into details on. But you know, in my case, as a CFP, certified financial planner, I've got 30 hours every two years that you have to do. And uh, there's an ethics course that's involved. You have to have a certain number of hours of ethics that has to be taken. But again, those are going to be somewhat, I don't want to call them general but or generic, probably not the right term exactly, but they're not necessarily going to focus on a lot of these types of rules. So you have to say, if I'm going to be a specialist in retirement distribution planning, IRA planning, what am I doing as far as continuing education specific to those areas? And that's, again, that's where a group like Ed Slots Group, and there's a, there's a lot of great groups out there. But again, if you're interviewing a financial advisor, have them identify, you know, what are you doing? What do you do to stay on top of tax laws, IRA laws, all these different changes that we've seen in the last few years? What are you doing to that's going to help me? Because ultimately, it's it's about you. And is this advisor going to be have the expertise, have the knowledge to guide you through some of these decisions that you're going to have to make? Eric, don't you feel like every time you finally get it down, they go and change everything and you have to start all over again? I call that job security. <laughs> <laughs> that's but you're absolutely point. right. Well, and, then, and then there's... And that's the that's the conversation that a lot of times we have with you know a DIYer, a do-it-yourselfer, is you know there's a lot of smart people. A lot of our clients are very intelligent, and they could there's aspects of this they more likely could do on their own. But number one, do you have the time, and do you or do you have the want to to understand these tax laws? And again, there have been some significant changes just in the last couple of years, just since 2019, and I, again. When Congress is making these decisions, when we get politics involved, that changes the whole ball game. And then you got, and then you got the IRS trying to interpret what Congress is, what their intentions were. And I can give you all kinds of stories about the craziness of uh, some of the tax laws that, that are going into effect right now in 2023 as a result of Secure Act 2.0 that might kind of blow your mind a little bit. So if we have time, maybe we'll touch on those. But okay. but it's it's kind of crazy. <laughs> so I think that we kind of went over our questions four and five with. Yeah. The what we discussed. So let's just state the questions for the record. Yeah. So you've got uh, number four, how do you stay current on key IRA tax laws? And then what services and resources do you rely on to stay up to date? Can you show me an example? You know, I've got a 210 pound, 210 pound. Let me say that again. A 210 page. And sometimes it feels like it's 210 pounds. <laughs> yeah. 210 page pamphlet or 210 page booklet. That was the content that we went through in the last two-day meeting we had at the end of April. So you got 210 pages, which is part of it is updates on the tax laws, but part of a lot of it is also examples because you need to be able to recognize a scenario when you see it. If somebody comes to you and say, well, this is this and this happened to me, what does that mean for me as far as my IRA or my beneficiaries? So you have to understand, be able to recognize these different scenarios. And if it's something that you haven't heard before, 
it's okay as the advisor to say, I don't know, let me get, let me research that for you and I'll get back to you. So being able to, again, stay on top of these tax laws, but also have the resources to go back to, to refer to when you come across a scenario that maybe you haven't heard before or you haven't experienced before. And number five is uh, what is the latest IRA tax rule you are aware of and when did it occur? Like I said, we kind of already covered that. So let's talk about number six. Number six, how do you determine the best option for my lump sum distribution and what are all my choices? So there are situations where, and again, I think the definition of a lump sum can be a little bit confusing because the example, the story I told earlier on was a lump sum distribution, but that's a scenario where the lump sum distribution goes directly from the 401k to my bank account. There's certain tax implications with that. There's also a lump sum distribution where I roll that money directly from my 401k into an IRA where it goes directly from wherever it's being held at the custodian, the 401k custodian to my IRA custodian as well. That's called a direct rollover. We don't have the same tax implications there as we would in the first scenario, the 60 day rollover rule that I talked about uh, with our example. You also have somebody that may have a pension where they've got the option of taking a monthly income or possibly a lump sum rollover of that pension. So how do you determine what are our, what's our process for determining what makes the most sense for any particular individual? And those are all some of the rules that, that we need to consider when we think about you making the best decision for you when it comes to retirement income planning. Knowledge about beneficiaries, that is also something that's pretty important. It is, especially, you know, when you think about a lot of our clients who are her women who have been divorced or they've been widowed or they're single for whatever reason that might be. You know, the beneficiary decision itself is a lot different. For many people, it's, oh, I'm just going to make my spouse my primary beneficiary. I'm going to make my children my contingent beneficiary. But again, with a lot of these new tax laws and specifically Secure Act, original Secure Act and Secure Act 2.0, there's a lot of different rules that now have to be followed when it comes to children being beneficiaries. Because again, if you're divorced or you're widowed, and in many cases, it is your children, your adult children that are now going to be your primary beneficiaries. And we need to understand what the implications are there. It's also important, number one, that you have beneficiaries. That's a big factor. But what are you doing or what is your advisor doing to make sure you're keeping those current? What would trigger a change in my beneficiary designations? Is it a divorce? Is it being widowed? Are we staying on top of those things? And you know, for our case, we do what we call, we basically value adds. So every quarter, we're looking at some area for every single client, some topic, planning topic. It could be a tax projection. It could be uh, the retirement income strategy, updating the retirement income strategy. One of those items that we do every couple of years, at least, is a beneficiary review. So we'll actually take your beneficiaries based on the dollar amount that's in your IRA, for example. Let's say, again, it's a $200,000 IRA or $500,000 IRA, and you've got two children and they're 50-50 beneficiaries. Well, Many women, many people in general say, okay, what does 50% really mean? Do I, you're making me do math now. I didn't sign up to do math, That's right? That's right. So you say, well, okay, in this case, Joe is going to get $250,000. That's his 50%. Jane is going to get $250,000. That's her 50%. So we put a dollar figure on it. So it becomes more real when you say, when you say okay, do I really want Joe to get $250,000? Is he going to be able to handle it? But every couple of years, we're reviewing these specific IRA designations or beneficiary designations to make sure, number one, you're aware of what they are. 
And number two is so that we can have a process for revisiting those designations and say, do I need to think about making adjustments? Should I make a change for whatever reason? You know, unfortunately we have family members that, that pass themselves. So leaving a deceased family member as a beneficiary can cause significant issues when it comes to settling that IRA account or passing those assets to, to your family. And we got to make sure we have a process for understanding that. Yeah. Okay. Number eight would be letting me know that you know about the IRS life expectancy table. What? Life expectancy table. So when we think about, again, a lot of these changes that have happened in the last couple of years specifically, the life expectancy tables deal with required distributions. So we had original secure act. Let's start with that one first. So original secure act changed the required beginning date. So most people for years, it was 70 and a half. You had to start taking money out of your retirement accounts, your pre-tax retirement accounts at 70 and a half. Secure act changed that to 72. The life expectancy table basically says, or it is designed to help you know, how much do I need to take out each year? So when I turn 72, how much do I need to take out? It's based on the life expectancy table. When I turn 73, how much do I need to take out? And so on and so forth. So beyond, once you hit 72, it tells you how much it helps us know how much you need to take out. And then now Secure Act 2.0 is extended even further. Now it's between 73 and 75, depending on your year of birth, but you still have those life expectancy tables. Okay. Now to throw a little wrench in that, if you inherit an IRA from a parent, Let's say you've got different life expectancy tables. You still may may have a required distribution depending on the other factors that uh, probably a little more too detailed to get in now, but there are different life expectancy factors based on whether you're an individual who's inherited an IRA account, whether you're the IRA owner themselves, whether your spouse is more than 10 years younger than you are. There's different required distribution, different life expectancy tables based on the scenario so that's the importance of that question. Again, it's back to, does this person, does this advisor understand how all these works and can they show me these important details? And, and it's not as much that they have to explain it necessarily. Do they know what they are? Can they, could they show me an example? That's more right. what you would be wanting to know. And you mentioned a little bit for question nine is, you know, what will happen to my IRA after I die? You talked about somebody getting one. So they need to know what, what's going to be the next step. Absolutely. Because that's, it's so important again, for many of our clients who, especially if their children are their beneficiaries, that's a huge factor. It's again, we talk a lot about, we want to relive the retirement that you deserve. We want you to enjoy retirement, but a big factor in almost every situation with our clients is what happens when I'm gone? Is this going to go to my family? How much trouble are they going to have getting that money? And actually, we, in many cases, we'll, we have to have that conversation. What does it look like? When I pass away, what does that actually look like? How difficult is it for them to get this money when the time comes? And also, in many cases, it's how do they get in the most tax-efficient way? Because what most people don't want is to pay Uncle Sam. They don't want to pay Uncle Sam when they're alive. They sure don't want to pay him when they're gone. So how's, what's the most tax-efficient way of passing those assets onto my beneficiaries. And that's kind of where the stretch IRA concept comes in and how do we most effectively transfer those assets to the people that you care about most. And number 10 is a very important question, correct? <laughs> it is. Who do you turn to when you have questions on IRA distribution planning? Again, I have, I have no problem admitting that I don't know everything. I do a lot of research. I do a lot of study. I read a lot of books. I go to a lot of continuing education sessions. But it's, just, it's impossible to know every single thing out there. 
So that's a, to me, that's one that's, I don't want to call it the most important question, but no one, you want to know that your advisor is willing to say, you know, I don't know. Hopefully that's not a turnoff because again, if you expect your advisor to know everything, then, you know, I, I would have to, I would have serious concerns about whether this is a good fit if they expected me to know everything. Well, and that's what I had said earlier is once you finally get everything down, they go and change everything. So there's no way you could know. <laughs> right. But you need to know where to find the answer. That's, exactly. that's the, again, that's the bottom line is. Where would you go to get an answer to a question that you don't know? What are the resources you're going to go to? What books, what resources, what uh, other people can you turn to or will you turn to to answer these questions on IRA distribution planning when they do come up? So what do we have to keep in mind then? These were the 10 questions. And when we're going to look for an advisor, what is the action items we need to be aware of? Again, it can be it can be intimidating for anybody then when they're going to sit down with a financial advisor, they're going to interview a financial advisor because you look at it, you know, I, I often, I don't necessarily like the comparison to financial advisors with doctors. You know, there's colleagues of mine that use the, you know, I'm a, I'm a money doctor. I'm, you know, whatever it might be. But you oftentimes people get intimidated when they talk to their doctor. They're they're because they think they're they've done all this study, they know all this stuff that they they can be intimidated to actually ask a question. They just follow sometimes they may just follow the advice. But be willing to ask the hard questions. Go into that meeting. If you can go to it with a little more confidence because you have a list of questions, I think it's going to be much more productive. You're gonna be have a higher chance of finding an advisor that's best for you if you can go in there with some confidence, with some questions understanding that the answer to those questions are going to go a long way in helping you determine, is this person a good fit for me and what I need? And that's whether you are looking for an advisor or even if you want to talk to the current advisor that you have. Yeah. Again, never be hesitant to, to revisit questions of your current advisor. If you, a lot of times you, again, when he's talking, maybe you've worked with an advisor for 10, 15, 20 years. So you started to work on when you're in your forties, but now you're getting, you know, you're 60 years old, you're a few years from retirement. You want to know, does this advisor have the capability, have the skill set to help me in that next phase of life? But if you don't know what questions to ask, it's going to be very hard to understand whether or not they do have that type of expertise. So that's really what my objective here today was sharing 10 questions that you can use to again, feel confident as you make that transition into retirement, do I have the right financial advisor for me in my situation today? Okay, Eric, how do people get in touch with you? Best way is to go to blakewealthmanagement.com. Hit the start here button if you're looking at determining whether we are the best fit for you or not. It walks you through our exact process, the Simply Retirement process. Let you know whether uh, we are a good fit based on, again, bring these questions. I'm happy to answer them uh, directly. That's the best place. You also was, We also have a number of free resources on there. Sign up for our newsletter, all these different things that, uh, that may help you along your way to achieving a successful retirement. All right. Thank you, Eric. And thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. That's it for today's episode of the Simply Retirement Podcast. We hope you found our insights and advice helpful in planning for a fulfilling retirement. Don't forget to take action on what you've learned today. Visit our website at blakewealthmanagement.com to learn more about our firm and review our Simply Retirement Roadmap process to get you on the right path to the retirement you deserve. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. 
Thank you for joining us on this journey, and we look forward to helping you achieve your retirement goals. Remember, retirement is not the end of the road. It is the start of a new journey. So embrace it and make the most of it. Until next time, take care. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Blake Wealth Management. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Blake Wealth Management or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services. Member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Blake Wealth Management, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.